Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Right here. Aisha Tyler. Tribe Call Quest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz, Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim, and you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Hello and welcome to the TalkHouse Podcast. I'm Josh Modell. On this week's episode, we've got a rare but not totally unprecedented pairing of a couple, by which I mean boyfriend and girlfriend, for lack of a better word, in conversation. Both fantastic songwriters, Briston Maroney and Samia. Now, Briston Maroney is an earnest, powerful songwriter who first caught attention via American Idol, weirdly. But perhaps lucky for him and us, he didn't ride that appearance into the pop world. Instead, over the past decade, Maroney has built a solid catalog of personal songs that include folk and indie rock influences, but they could really play anywhere people like a good tune. His latest album is called Ultra Pure, a word he uses to describe those incredible moments in life that you might not even know you're experiencing until they're gone. Check out a little bit of the song Body from Ultra Pure right here. The other half of today's conversation is Maroney's partner of the past few years, the singer and songwriter Samia. She's a bit more interested in the darker sides of life than Maroney, as you'll hear them laugh about in this conversation. Her latest album, Honey, features bitter breakup songs that will strike right at your heart. It's no wonder she's been compared to the likes of Phoebe Bridgers and Lucy Dacus. But Samia has her own thing going, and for my money, Honey is one of 2023's best albums. Check out a little bit of the intensely fantastic Kill Her Freak Out right here. Though they lived together, this conversation took place on different continents as Samia was at their now former home in Nashville, they just moved to LA, as you'll hear, while Maroney was on tour in Europe. They joke at the outset that they hadn't spoken in two years, but really they're in constant contact and know each other super well. They chat about horror movies, their dog camera, and how writing in the same physical space might lead to accidental song theft. Enjoy. All right. I feel like, if you don't mind, I'd like to just go ahead and hop into my questions. I would love nothing more. So just for the listener to know, we haven't, Sam and I haven't spoken in two years leading up to this, <laughs> so that it all feels very fresh. So this it's is, been brutal. If there's nerves, it's because of that. Um, okay, ready for your first question? I don't know. Do I have a real choice? <laughs> okay. Hey, sp- <laughs> <laughs> Hey, smarty pants. Where, where'd you get that brain of yours? Okay, can I actually ask a serious one? Yeah. Um, any chance you'd be so kind as to spare a moment <laughs> and tell me what the hell your songs are about? Uh, most of my songs are about my dad. Mm. Okay, well, that's actually Not perfect. Not for all, leave it. Well, that leads perfectly into my next question, which is... Okay. When you write a song that isn't about me, why is that so? 
<laughs> because you, I actually have a really good answer to this question because you've done nothing to deserve it. <laughs> and yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I only write songs when I'm upset. That is true. not everyone is as, um, naturally gifted as you are at writing songs about almost anything at any time. Well, that's sweet of you to say. I do. I do remember when we first met, I was like, worried is the wrong word, but I remember being like, oh my God, am I, I feel like maybe I'm insane because I really like this person and I'm like spilling these love songs out. And then you hadn't like written a whole lot. Nothing in return. (laughs) Well, yes, that is the, that is a way to phrase it, but it was like, but then I, we talked it through and, and I insisted that it's a good sign. Yeah. And now I, I can truthfully believe that, but it took me a long time to, to trust that. Even my songs about you, my love songs about you are like, soon you'll find out that I'm not all I'm cracked up to be and you'll leave me I, or, <laughs> or when will this all go wrong? You know, I like that most of them are like the first half is a love song. And then the back half still is like <laughs> the mausoleum of my family tree. Or like, Thanks for loving me, even though I'm a monster. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be like, I was holding your little brother at church with your family. Can you believe the monsters living inside of my ears and they come out and they feed on my dreams? And then it goes, and I wish there was a God. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then I'm like, and you help me believe in something. And then on all my songs, it's like, Sammy, Sammy. I love you so much. Right, Sam? That's our balance. Hopefully that's what leads to longevity here. You know? Perfect. The push and pull. Okay, perfect segue into my next question, which is actually not really a question. I just wanted to say, if you ever need space around the house, just let me know. (laughs) I'll make sure to clear the way and find something else to do for the day. Thank you. That's really sweet. I Actually, something about me is I've never needed space one time in my life. I hate to be alone, and I want you to be as near to me as possible at any given time. We do, yes, we both share that um, passion. I don't know, you're good at being alone. Uh, I think that it's a front. I think the older I get, the less good I am at at doing it. Well, then you're a good actor. Thank you. No, this is true. Um, Do you want me to ask you a question now, or do you have more? I only have you were like more. prepared to be inundated with my long list of questions, well, my never-ending list. When you write a song, because we live together, <laughs> are you ever afraid that I will steal it and say that it's my song? No, but I did that to you once on accident. Really? Yeah, in one of my songs I say, um, every single thing has already been said. And it, it's because subconsciously I had heard the demo of your song where you say... Oh yeah, that but different. Ain't nothing. I said it. That ain't been said. <laughs> Nashville boy language. There ain't been nothing ain't been said before. Yeah. I wish that I was. But yours there. is better and the original. Well, but no one could ever do it quite like you. You have a great way of saying saying things that are familiar in your own unique way. I do think that that is something we are both plagued with. Is a an intense fear that we've chosen a job that requires like constantly needing to be able to say something in an original way whilst we are just two individuals that doubt that that's possible every second of every day as well. 
Yeah, definitely an obsession with originality that we both have, that we bond over. I think that's something that you have uh, have helped me really shape my relationship with. In the time that we've known each other, I think you've helped me see that originality is just, I think, more closely related to honesty than it is to like um, being groundbreaking. Oh yeah, I just feel like you've always done such a good job of that. That's something I learned from you all the time. I think that's true vulnerability is the willingness to share your feelings, even if they've been said before, you know, there ain't and like not try to embellish them. There ain't um, nothing they've been said or before. Or like make them more interesting. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. What are you doing? I'm walking around in circles on the, in the little sunroom that we've never used. I did that photo shoot at the house with the dog for the dog magazine. And when I was giving the people... Yeah. I was giving the people the tour and uh, I was like, yeah, this is our little back room that we never really use. And I shit you not, the person was like, yeah, I can tell. Yeah, I mean, I see why they can tell. It, there, like it looks like trash it's bag just covered in cobwebs. And a pair and of underwear. And the the um, shovel that I used to remove the dead squirrel from our yard. Okay, I have some questions for you. Are you ready? Okay. If you could have the band always cover any of your songs, which one would it be? Are your questions are serious? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this is so stressful because I'm so used to talking to you without thinking or like monitoring myself at all. I, that's what I'm doing. And I'm so scared of what's going to come out of my mouth. Well, for context, that's like my favorite band of all time for, for the unknowing listener. Um, probably I have a song called Bottle Rocket that Sammy, do you know that song? I think it'd be cool with the big like shoegazy guitars. It's like pretty on the nose, but it'd be fun to hear them do their big crazy like swelling reverby thing because that's what I like. Okay, love that. And my other question that I have prepared is when was the last time you saw a show and then went home and had to write songs because the show was so good? You and I saw our friend Jack Van Cleef play Oh, yeah. A, like, release show. And I remember we both came home and, like, separately went into bedrooms and <laughs> started writing and trying to convince ourselves that we still still had it. That's, I think that's probably everyone's reaction to Jack Van Cleef. Yeah, I think that's true. Definitely, like, a writer's writer. I yelled at him at Paradise because I just said, have you ever written a bad song? And your whole thing is unfair. And I don't want to be around you did because you, did it you? makes me feel horrible about myself. <laughs> That's crazy. That's so similar to what you said to me the first time that we ever met. I was thinking it, but I was playing it cool. You were. So cool that I thought that you didn't like me, question mark. <laughs> That's horrible. It's not horrible. I just liked you so much that I I was I wasn't letting anything out for fear that it would be the last the last thing, you know? I felt the same way. I do think it's really funny, like the the classic like rom com dynamic of the two people meeting each other and on the first date they're like giving each other shit and like being pretty like rough around the edges like intentionally like keeping that wall up neither one of us are capable of doing that sort of thing so we were both like oh my gosh it's so nice to meet you (laughs) like we were like really really sweet giggling a lot Um, i do think that my fear of being too much causes me to do too little a lot of the time i don't know if that's true do you I mean, feel that way? About you? <laughs> no, in general. 
Yeah, I totally think that's something we got to work on. <laughs> Three and a half years in, like, no, I'm like if um, we don't talk enough. I think I get really internal in a way that I like work through the whole process of like, okay, this part of me is too much. Therefore, I can never reveal it. Like, and I'm better off to just like get out of everybody's way. Whereas I think you, and tell me if I'm wrong, I feel like you feel that shame or like that self-criticism and then are like, and now I owe it to the world to make sure that everyone else is so happy, like that my shame (laughs) could never permeate. You know what I mean? Not to completely, I don't know, it's it's your life that we're talking about. But yeah, just knowing you well, I know that you really prioritize making sure everyone's okay all the time. And I feel like that shows in your music. I, I think you um, have a correct read on that. But I feel like they're both in place of just like saying the thing that's on your mind. Yes. You know? Which has... Hiding and overcompensating. Which I feel like took us years to even figure out just in like the friendship context of our relationship was just trusting that we could say whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Look at us now on on a podcast. On a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so kids, it all works out. Just trust the process. <laughs> and if you're lucky enough, you'll do a podcast with with the love of your life. Yes. You said it. Hey, this is Josh Modell, host of the TalkHouse podcast. We love it when musicians come on the show and talk about process, and often they'll get into the nuts and bolts of being a working artist, which can sometimes be fun and sometimes feel more like a business. Well, this episode of TalkHouse is brought to you by DistroKid, which is an amazing service for musicians looking to get their songs out into the world in an incredibly smart and cost-effective way. For the past decade plus, DistroKid has made it easy to get your music on all the streaming services, including Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Instagram, and more. You keep 100% of your earnings minus a flat yearly fee, which is a better deal than you'll find anywhere else. More than a million artists use DistroKid, and the latest version of their app is better than ever. It includes features that make it easy to see your account details, including the money you've earned, as well as to seamlessly edit things like lyrics and metadata across platforms. There's even a feature called Instant Share, which allows you to easily share files with your bandmates, booking agent, playlist curators, and more. DistroLock allows you to protect your songs. DistroKid users get a YouTube official artist channel, too. The list goes on. The DistroKid app is available on iOS and Android. Go check it out today. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network. Hey, TalkHouse listeners, it's Josh Modell. Instead of encouraging you to listen to podcasts today, I'm here to encourage you to read something great. The particular something I have in mind is the second issue of The TalkHouse Reader, the print zine spearheaded by our fantastic music editor, Annie Fell. This issue is focused on the intersection of food and music, and it features contributions from Maddie Matheson, Coleman Domingo, Squirrel Flower, Sam Evian, the Blessed Madonna, and more. There are pieces about eating while on tour, the gentrification of food, cooking as a creative catalyst, and much, much more. You can order a copy today, along with the first issue, 
at store.talkhouse.com. Please do check it out. Okay, I have more questions. You ready? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do you believe that a deterministic world is compatible with free will? (laughs) Are you drunk? And the other question is, why do you think you like horror movies so much? (laughs) Okay. First off, in order to answer the first one, you're going to need to repeat it probably twice because there's so we much. Don't so need much. To, I, we don't need to talk about Well, Okay, that. let's do the horror. I feel like. Let's do the What'd horror one. <laughs> Why um, do you think you like horror movies? Well, first off, guess what we're doing tonight? You can go see a horror movie? I don't know if this will date the episode or something, but we're going to see the Five Nights at Freddy's movie. Oh, oh I saw, we saw a trailer for that. I feel like you closed your eyes. Yeah, should be good. I watched Suspiria the other night, too. I told you that. I can't stop telling people that. I gotta watch Suspiria. You made me... Um, oh God, you would hate it. You piqued my interest, but I, I'm i scared. I, I just can't do that and then be alone. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's so strange. I feel like I have such a strong tolerance for it, and then randomly there will be a day where it, it like every horror movie I've ever watched like hits me at the same time and I start thinking about how it applies to being alone in our house and having to do laundry in the basement and then I'm like like literally paralyzed with fear. I feel like that's a, a very logical reaction. Like that makes sense why that like most people, most healthy minded individuals probably would, would feel that way. But you had a good different. yeah explanation for why you like it. I, and well, I think that's really interesting. Yeah, you've asked me. That's a very sweet question that you've asked before. It's even changed a little bit. Like, we went and saw Bo is Afraid together, which was a really awesome 30-minute experience until I looked over and there were tears streaming down Sammy's face silently, like like a fourth of the way through the movie, and I was like, we are going to leave this place. (laughs) I didn't like that movie. Yeah, no, I did. <laughs> didn't like that movie at all. <laughs> I think I, and I completely understand why. I think like that's a good example though. I just, the I think getting, swallowing the pill for me, for me personally, like I am just such a like anxious person in general that is like, I think we both have kind of obsessive anxieties about different things. So I think sometimes yeah. horror movies help me like see other people go through that process of like mm-hmm. having to confront a literal nightmare in an hour and a half period of time. Like there's a process to it. And like even if the ending isn't good or like a positive outcome, it's just like helpful for my brain to watch somebody at least get through a thing. Because I think that's the part of life that stresses me out the most. It's almost always worse than whatever it is you're afraid to confront. Totally. Oh my God. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. I'm just comparatively yes a thousand percent like we're on tour in the uk right now and i'm which you I, you know <laughs> there's yeah uh, there's, there's other people yeah, there's, <laughs> there's other people involved here <laughs> we really, yeah i that's that's where i've been if you've been curious but um sorry i'm yelling also but that's okay um, i was so stressed because we're we're moving right when we get back and uh there's just like a billion things that i was thinking about needing to like take care of and then watching Suspiria the other night like genuinely consumed so much of my brain power to be like okay how do I avoid accidentally joining a a dance group that is run by a bunch of witches like I was so worried about that thought process that I was like oh cool like 
that makes needing to sell some guitars and like like power wash the driveway seem really really achievable i'd never even considered there was like a whatever it is dance group of evil <laughs> witches that i <laughs> and now it's lodged in my brain permanently yeah like in a sea of other things that i've been accumulating my whole life to be afraid of yeah which maybe the like the dam will just like burst and it'll maybe if i fill it up with even more stuff it'll just sort of like overflow and then i'll be afraid of nothing i'm down to experiment i thought that's what um yeah, I can't, my brain is blocking the name of this movie because that's how horrible it was a guy who's of an experience. You don't have to say. You don't have to say it again. Joaquin Phoenix is in the bathtub. And he's <laughs> oh, upset. Yeah. yeah, if you've seen that movie. movie, the scene where he's in the bathtub and uh, there's the guy on the ceiling. That's. I don't want that. I don't want that to happen to me. Oh. <laughs> I don't want to experience that. And I one thousand percent would never wish that. But I thought that's what was going to happen with that movie. Is I was like, okay, this is my worst nightmare. It's just like a you know series of horrible things happening i'm gonna flip the flip the hot microphone (laughs) your way okay your your interest in reality tv is kind of the same amount of your brain as my interest in scary stuff so what is it about like the love islands and love is blind and the like that realm of reality tv that draws you in so much well i don't like love island and love is blind because it's too real. I don't want to watch people have relationship problems. Mm-hmm. I like the Kardashians because it's so different from my experience that it's like escapism. You know what I mean? I like sure. to go away into a world yeah. where like it doesn't make me think about my own problems sure. really at all. Mm-hmm. I was just talking about this the other night with some people where like I, books for me are, are are about getting smarter and TV is about getting dumber. Mm. And I wish I had better taste in TV because I know there's some like really incredible stuff out there, but I like books are for the morning (laughs) with my coffee and TV is for like turning it off. Sure. You know, is it important to you to feel like you're making progress or like achieving something in a day? Yeah. Like I like to feel like I'm growing, accumulating knowledge in some way during the day Yeah, or like actively working my, brain Mm -hmm. and then but i have to wind down or else i'm up all night and it's still just like never-ending chatter in my subconscious you know i tried to write a song last night before bed and then i was up all night because my brain is still like circulating Mm -hmm. material do you does that happen to you i feel like you can just fall asleep well yes i maintain that is the best superpower to have if you're a touring person that's like the okay. number one thing every touring person wishes they had. Okay, but that's the thing. I can only do that when I'm home with you. I can't do that on the road. Really? Yeah, that's why touring gets so hard. Like after like oh. four or five days, I'm like perpetually tired because I, I feel like I've been so anxious during a show day, and like the second the show is over, I'm like, oh my god, I wish I had chilled out any time in the last hour and a half to actually enjoy that. Now I have the energy from playing a show but i don't feel like i've actually reaped the benefits of it because i've just been um, so in my head so then i come back to like hotel or whatever and then i try to watch something stimulating and then i end up watching something that eventually scares me or makes me think too hard or angry or something or miss you and then i'm like well this like 
now my internal clock is completely... You're good at going to sleep on tour, though, huh? Kind of, but I have to have the TV on or people in the room. Yeah. If I'm alone with any level of, like, agency, Mm. it's over. Yeah. I'm up all night. This happened. You know, if I, I don't want to hear my own thoughts almost ever, but definitely not. I get so annoyed with my own thought process, like, especially when I'm writing, which I'm trying to chill out about. I'm trying to not be so affected by that, but I, my own internal dialogue or whatever, like pisses me off so frequently. I just start thinking of myself the way that somebody who would listen to my music that hated it would start thinking. (laughs) Well, I think that that starts the first time you get like criticized Mm -hmm. and then that voice, I mean, unless you are stronger than me, which I'm sure a lot of people are, like it's really hard to distinguish that voice from your own critical self yeah. and your own taste. Yes. I have a really hard time with that. I've like sort of lost track of what I like. I've been on a journey in this past year to like figure out what I truly like or if it's possible to like have your own set of tastes mm-hmm. like separately from your environment and things that have been like programmed into you. I'm trying to like strip away the other yeah. voices if that's possible. But you do such a good job of that. I think you're one of the few people I've met in my life who's like so certain of what you think is good, even if everyone in the room disagrees. <laughs> which <laughs> does happen quite often. You just have no shame liking something, even if, which I think is the coolest like, thing a person can. Thanks. I think I had the benefit of being in a different environment growing up like as far as music goes like my my dad's side of my family plays music like sorta like my dad and my grandpa did like but i just didn't have any like outside of them i was kind of the only kid in my school other than like a handful of really awesome like you know upperclassmen in high school that like turned me on to cool music like I, I had the luxury of just being in a place where I was, like, able to discover a lot. Like, I didn't have a whole lot of outside influence as far as, like, what my taste was in, in music and movies. And we, like, kind of lived, you know, like, in a pretty, like, wooded area in this, like, cool house where I could just hang out and, like, discover what I liked on the internet. I feel like you grew up between L.A. and New York, you know, in these environments where you were adjacent to these big scenes. And, I, yeah, I'm sure that was crazy when you were younger, just the stories you told me about like the kids that you looked up to and stuff, like they all had really specific interests. They were all really like, they played in the bands that were cool. I'm sure that was like just a totally different experience. I feel like everyone has a person that like, no, I know, you know, exposed you to more than what your parents were listening to or like what you, what was on the radio. I definitely had a handful of those that were like super formative. That's an area that I spent a lot of time thinking about, like, the concept of maintaining that initial voice that like jump-started everything as far as my relationship with music and jump-started my my taste and what I was into like while also still trying to develop more as a person but I just think it's all a circle like it comes back to like the songs that I've written in the past two years that I've liked the most are the ones most similar to the types of songs I was writing when I first started. And I think the underlying thing is just like, comes back to what you were saying earlier, just like fearlessness and just like a, a confidence in an idea, even if it's an, a, an unconfident idea. You know what I mean? Like, I think the original yeah. 
that original place that you're writing from is like always what we're fighting to preserve. But there's just a ton of pressure to be like growing and evolving. And sometimes like, I mean, out of necessity, when I was writing some of those songs that I really dug, I wasn't a version of myself that was like as kind to people as I wanted to be or like was as good of a friend as I wanted to be. It's such a conundrum because it's like you want to grow as a person, but you don't want to lose the thing that like made you want to do this in the first place or was emotional enough and like vulnerable enough to do this thing. Yeah. Sometimes it does feel like a choice between like personal growth and art and artistic. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's like, like a, a integrity or like preservation or something. Yeah. A thousand percent. That's like the, the thing that everybody who, who makes art long enough, like faces growth is always really strange. Growth is always really strange. <laughs> Write that down kids. Um, <laughs> that's true. Like when you, when you're watching a show where there's like a thousand seasons of a show, and like you've watched the whole thing and you've just progressed and grown with these characters and stuff like there's such an odd feeling to go back to season one and see where these characters started you know and like the best stories and like same with the movie like immediately finishing a movie and starting it all over again and just seeing a character who knows nothing when you have the knowledge of how much they've changed and like the things you miss about them like it's such a bittersweet like it's like a licorice taste but the most like pointed like pungent feeling to see a version of something that just can't be anymore. Like when you've known too much, but also knowing that if you are able to submit to that change and that growth, that there can be more beauty beyond that. But yeah, I I definitely feel like to answer the question from earlier that I have not answered yet, I definitely feel like I'm constantly trying to fight for that, that kid version. I feel like that, that stuff is like inextricably linked with nostalgia too. Like when I find I'll always love the first whatever the first record is or the first song is that I heard from an artist the most because it was the first time I experienced their voice. Right. You know? Totally. Even if it was their fifth record or their yeah. whatever. You know? Which I, yeah, I had that yesterday with the new Mitski. What do you mean? Like I had, I had obviously like heard some of the songs before, not off that record, but like some of the earlier stuff. But then yesterday I had, this is just a fun little sidebar, but yeah, I just listened. That was the first Minsky record that I'd listened to, like, start to finish. Really? Yeah. I don't know how we never talked about that. But, I mean, you know, like, the couple of songs that I knew and, like, loved. But, like, it, like, blew my mind. And it was so, it was really crazy to wow. be like, this is my, like, this feels like my Mitski album now. Like, this feels like my put on my headphones, walk down the street, and feel, like, personal connection to this record. And it was, you know, it's so deep in the catalog, like... It was really cool to have that moment. Sorry, total, total sidebar. Kind no, of I, that makes me think about, we were. I was joking with one of our mutual friends about how Blue Bannisters is your favorite Lana record, which isn't <laughs> that like, that's inherently funny. Like that's one of the greatest records I've ever heard in my life. Okay. But like, it's just, what'd you say? I was going to say, I don't know if I can curse. I was going to say, fuck y'all. <laughs> Blue Bannisters <laughs> is great. But it's, but it's cool because it's like an underrated Lana record, right? And totally. it's but it's your favorite because it was the in, your introduction to Lana. Totally. Do you know what I mean? Even being like two full length albums deep into getting to put out records, like the idea of somebody hearing this record first and like hopping on board, it's like that's so invigorating. Like it feels like you're getting an opportunity to restart someone's idea. You know what I mean? Like someone's catching you in such a fresh period of time. Like that's so invigorating and so related to that thing we were just talking about, like, which I guess confirms the theory that you 
are always fighting for that like initial version of your artistic self because you're because it was fresh and because it was like a living breathing thing like yeah i don't know that made more sense in my head than it probably did coming out of my mouth i guess is what i'm saying but i thought it sounded smart (laughs) thanks i'm trying to think of what my other question was to you do you have any more for me (laughs) for anyone who doesn't know (laughs) that we have a dog that's gonna sound like you were just having your own little interaction with yourself (laughs) (laughs) there was a dog (laughs) oh I am something that is disturbing to me is that I keep forgetting to unplug the furbo and then I get to watch back like my behavior when I think no one's watching me on my furbo dog camera and it's so disappointing (laughs) (laughs) there's not a moment where I'm not talking out loud to myself or dancing or like singing like the musical version of the play-by-play of like what I'm doing Mm. in that moment whatever you Please. I do get a notification every time something happens on there. And just, this is truly candid. Like, I don't click on it unless you've told me to <laughs> click on it because I want to respect your time to do that. Because when you're out of town and I'm home alone, I am, like, literally walking around like Jim Carrey in the mask, just, like, absolutely losing my mind in that house. And if someone was, like, documenting that, I would be devastated. I'll just, like, start yelling halfway through a thought that I'm having about like, you ever go back and think about conversations that you wish you'd handled differently and then like try to reenact them. I saw a Yelp review on the Furbo, which is a dog camera that you can throw your dog treats from, which we were opposed to at first, but yeah, I like read this Yelp review, which is like also my favorite shit in the world or Yelp reviews, and it, or this was like an app store review, but it was like of the Furbo. Oh, you got to talk about your your reviews. Too. Oh yeah, thanks, thanks for the plug. Yeah, the review was like one star on the app, and then the review was like, "I'm no longer speaking with my brother because he came to watch our dog, and." didn't know that the camera was there. And when he found out, he felt like his privacy had been violated. And now he doesn't trust me. Tell the people about Gandalf, though. Yeah, I would leave Yelp reviews of like only major corporations where basically I would just try to retell the plot of Lord of the Rings from memory. At the time, I don't think I'd even really seen all the movies, but I would go on like a Burger King's reviews and leave like, a 500 word review of the second Lord of the Rings movie, not really knowing what happened in that movie. And so if you ever get bored, you can look up my name on Yelp and a lot of them get deleted, but there's still some really good ones up there. I reviewed a Starbucks one time and said, can someone please help? I left a bag of popcorn in the bathroom. I'll send you my return address (laughs) if you want. It's one of the things that makes me like have the biggest crush on you. Uh, And I think it's like tied to your uh, musical and songwriting abilities thank you you know what i mean what are you gonna miss the most about nashville do you think oh, yeah we're moving uh you go first i'm gonna miss the pace i'm gonna miss the trails that you've taken me to although there's probably some good ones in california that we'll discover i'm gonna miss the kroger by where we used to live where they would play like top 40 hits but with the without the lead vocals, but they would leave in the background vocal, which seems like an accident, but it's like 
It would the background vocals would come in like harmonizing on the bridge. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna miss our friends. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna really miss <laughs> totally that too. <laughs> I associate friends with all those things you're saying, like. So I guess just like, yeah, just the like the places that we feel comfortable, just the places that I didn't even realize I was like not having to think about how I behaved or who I was like because of the comfort of the friendships that we had in those spots, you know, like I think that's what I'm going to miss the most is just the the number of places that didn't require putting up any sort of guard, like with the people that we trusted and loved and, and knew. I mean, we'll see him so much and I'm on you know, I get to be on tour with some of my closest friends from there too. So that's pretty sick. But I'm also so excited to try something new. That sounded like a lie. Yeah. I've, I I also have like learned to be uncomfortable here in way in different ways than I've been uncomfortable in other places. Yeah. Even somewhere with like maybe less people that I'm used to and a slower pace. It's just like a different way of life here that I had to uh, adapt to. And I'm grateful for that experience as like a tool you know hopefully like put that towards being able to live somewhere else i am excited for just a whole new thing like i have a pit in my stomach about it and i think that's good (laughs) this is so there's something so intimate about talking to the person that you talk to the most i know but just in front of strangers that's like i've never been so nervous in my life awesome i definitely was (laughs) thanks for letting us do this Thanks for listening to the TalkHouse podcast, and thanks to Samia and Briston Maroney for chatting. If you liked what you heard, please follow TalkHouse on your favorite podcasting platform, and check out all the great stuff at TalkHouse.com. This episode was produced by Myron Kaplan, and the TalkHouse theme is composed and performed by The Range. See you next time. <laughs>